Welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung, and class is now in session. talk about the show Kingdom, which is a Korean zombie period piece set during the Joseon dynasty. And I'm not exactly sure what century we're in. It could be anywhere between the late 14th century to the late 19th century because that's how long the Joseon dynasty reigned for. Kingdom is one of the few Korean TV shows that is exclusively available only on Netflix, meaning it hasn't aired in Korea on a public or commercial broadcaster or on any of its cable channels. Netflix has a hand on Kingdom's production and distribution. The only other Korean drama I can think of that is exclusively Netflix-owned is Extracurricular, which is an incredibly stressful show. Kingdom was written by Kim Eun-hee, who's been writing this show since 2011. So that's almost 10 years. Kim Eun-hee's also married to the filmmaker Chang Hang-jun. And uh, he's an indie Korean filmmaker. Kim Eun-hee's success really outdoes Chang's filmmaker success. And what I love about Chang is how whenever he's like doing an interview or something and they people are trying to emasculate him by saying like, oh, don't you feel like you're under your wife's shadow or whatever? He always turns it on its head and says how proud he is of his wife's success and how he loves living a lavish life thanks to his wife's success. So like he's one of the few men who doesn't really um, take this sort of egotistical route with the fact that his wife's career is blossoming so much more than his own. And he's a very supportive husband in that regard. And I really have to hand it to him. Like, Chang is a, he's a good egg. Kim Min-hee is a highly sought after writer. She's been writing huge TV hits like Signal. She also wrote the show Fandom. She also wrote this show called Chirisan. Um, it's also known as Cliffhanger in in English, and that's going to be released sometime this year on TVN. I'm not sure if it'll stream on Netflix or Viki or neither. I'm recording this in February 2021, so I don't know if it'll even be uh, airing by the time this episode of the podcast is released. But it's got huge stars attached to it, like Chun Ji-hyun is one, Chu Ji-hoon is another, Sang Dong-yu is another. And I, I have high expectations for this show. I want to talk about Chu Ji-hoon a little bit. Chu Ji-hoon, he's the star of Kingdom. He plays the crown prince, Yi Chang, on the show. I remember seeing Chu Ji-hoon years ago in a really weird romantic comedy called Kung, also known as Princess Hours, star- starring Yoon Eun-hae. And he played pretty much the same guy. He played like this crown prince on that show. But it was like a modern day Korean monarch kind of uh TV show was very weird. That was back in 2006, and Chu Ji Hoon was very young on that show. 
and he sucked. He was such a bad actor. He wasn't good looking. I was like, how is how is this guy the leading man? He is such a bad actor. His face is not that attractive. He's so awkward. Like everything he said and did was extremely awkward on that show. I he almost ruined the show for me. But Chu Ji-hoon, like many actors, started out originally as a model. I'm not sure if he was ever trained in acting by any means. Maybe he did like he took some acting lessons later on. But then Kingdom comes out and he's just blowing me away with his acting on that show. He is so good. So I guess like 15 years of being in show business and starring in multiple TV shows, multiple films, that'll develop some skills for you. I, I suppose. And not only that, but Chu Ji-hoon's gotten more attractive looking. You know, he filled out and he looks pretty good on the screen. So good for you, Chu Ji-hoon. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of yours. I love Chu Ji-hoon's character. Uh, he plays this righteous hero. He's morally upright in midst of this deadly plague that's killing, you know, all the people of the Chosen Kingdom. It's killed his own father. I mean, it's turned his father into a zombie, right? When you read any zombie-related scholarly article, they always consider the zombie contagion a metaphor for capitalist greed, corruption, and destruction. And zombie films can also signify, and I quote, cultural anxieties about selfhood, loss of autonomy, and threats of de-individualization. And that is a quote from sociologists David Boynes and Robert Wunzer. Hollywood's been making zombie films since the pre-code era. You have White Zombie, which came out in 1932, but the origins of the zombie are actually in Haitian folklore. Okay, So as a concept, the zombie as this monster, it has no origins in Korean folklore or history. I can't think of any Korean folk monsters that bite people and spread disease. You know, like you're just you're just a monster and that's it. Um, or you're a ghost. There's like a lot of like Kishin kind of things in, in Korea. But the first time I encountered something like a zombie in Korean cinema was in the film The Wailing by Na Hongjin, which came out in 2016. Na Hongjin, he's known for, most most famously known for the film The Chaser. It plays at Cannes, and it baffles everybody because it's such a weird movie. But I wrote this paper about it uh, a few years ago. Um, and I basically say, like, in The Wailing, there's this scene when the townsmen show up at the Japanese stranger's house. The Japanese stranger is this mysterious like foreigner that the local townspeople in rural Korea, they don't know who the hell he is. Um, and they show up at his house with the intention of murdering him because they think he's the reason why all these people are suddenly dying of plague in the town. But then while they're there to murder this Japanese stranger, they come across a dead man named Pak Chunbe, who's been brought back to life through a shamanistic ritual okay and the townsmen who've never encountered a zombie before like they don't know what to do with him because they know him but they also know that he died but then they're also dealing with him like walking around and like grabbing them you know they're in their he's in their face so and and Pak Chunbe is their friend but Chunbe isn't exactly himself, right? Like he's making a horrible noise. His face is all like rotting off. He's biting people in the head. So the men initially start beating the shit out of Chunbe. 
But a couple of the men stop, like, try to stop the men from beating up Chunbei and try reasoning with the zombie. They're like, hey, Chunbei, don't you know me? Like, what's wrong with you? And of course, they subsequently get attacked by Pak Chunbei because Pak Chunbei is no longer himself. He's this zombie creature dead guy who's walking around and attacking people for no reason. And I love this scene so much because it represents Korea's unfamiliarity with the zombie as a concept as a monster, as a creature, as a disease, as whatever. So The Wailing is a really good movie that explores xenophobia in this sense. It conjures the loss of Korea's autonomy via annexation to Japan and to the foreign forces during the Korean War. And I'd say the scene is a jab at Korea's clumsiness and its indigenous means of confronting foreign monsters, be it disease, be it religion, be it technology, be it the people. And it goes so far as to misunderstanding the Western concept of the zombie by trying to help it and trying to reason with it rather than run away from it, right, before it's too late. The zombie in Korean films and TV uh, also have political and cultural significances tied to what anthropologist Honey Kwon calls the decomposing process. So while you have the physically dead person Right, the, decom the, the decomposition of war trauma in Korea, the fact that many Korean bodies died but did not receive a proper burial or a proper mourning because of, of war and its wreckage, uh, this continues to plague many Koreans today. The guilt and shame of that, the unknowingness of how these people died, not knowing not being able to identify faces of piles of bodies or dismembered bodies, which they encountered during the war. Um, the fact that, you know, about 4 million Korean civilians died and they can't, they, they don't know who, who's what, they don't, they don't know what the deal is. There's all this mystery and silence that surrounds it. So this decomposition, and I'll quote Quan, he says, the decomposition of the Cold War is the unsettling situation in which the lived reality is not really free from the immediate past and has not reintegrated the past into the time present as a past history. That is, it has a kind of spectral existence. So the Korean zombie in its physical manifestation of a decomposing body that is here in front of your face is a haunting that confronts the living beings in our present day society with the horrible past. And you see this in The Wailing and you see this again in Kingdom. The same year that The Wailing hit theaters, Korea released a commercial film that, that saw huge success called Train to Busan, of course, starring Gong Yu, Jung Yumi, and Ma Dong Seok. And it's a film that is far less ambivalent about being a zombie concept film. You have all the tropes of a zombie flick where people get bitten, they turn into zombies, and it's all happening on a train that is going from Seoul to Busan. Fun fact, I was born in Busan. Yes, I was. The filmmaker Yeon Sang-ho, who made Train to Busan, he made another zombie film, but an animated version called Soul Station. And both Train to Busan and Soul Station are zombie films that have a sharp critique of capitalistic greed, classism, and corruption of the wealthy. Right? So the ending of Train to Busan 
made it particularly Korean for me because while Cheong Yumi's character and Kim Soo-hwan's character are walking towards the military barracks in Busan, right, which is the coastal tip of the Korean peninsula with its own history attached to the Korean War and being a haven and a port for people to get away, yada, yada, yada. The military men who are armed, right, and they're holding their guns while seeing these two figures walking towards them in the must and in, in, the, in the dust and in the... In the um, the fog and smoke, they can't tell if these two characters are zombies or humans, right? But the giveaway is when Suan's character starts singing in that Aloha, Aloha Yi song, the, the Hawaiian song, and then the military men decide not to shoot them because they recognize her human quality and her ability to sing. And this is very, very significant in terms of the Korean War because the Korean War was a civil war right? I mean, it, it had a lot of foreign forces attached to it, of course. But um, it's a war that was mainly triggered by American McCarthyism and the Red Scare and paranoia over communism. And Koreans were attacking and killing one another, suspecting each other of aligning themselves with the other's political ideology, right? So it's like, are you a republic or are you a communist? And there was no way to tell who was a communist or who was a pro-American since everybody was Korean. And that's why the Korean War has this vestige of trauma for Koreans since there was a lot of killing and selling out of friends and neighbors and family, a lot of incestuous tormenting and killing and bombing, etc. So it's even it's an even bigger trauma in that sense. And it was all over some political ideology. So if we go back to the whaling, that's part of the symptom of the disease that's spreading about town. Once this zombie psychosis kicks into the infected person, that person is no longer themselves. They kill everybody in their closest proximity. That could be their mother, their daughter, their father, their uncle, their neighbor, their best friend. Whoever is near them, they all die. Okay, So in this sense, with kingdom, the zombie element carries um, similar significances. But it's for the most part a critique of class issues and corruption of power. So on Kingdom, we find out that 500 Korean soldiers were able to defeat 30,000 Japanese soldiers during the Unpo Swamp Battle because these soldiers were actually sick people who were poor and destitute. They were dying of illness, but they were, um, how do I say, strategically infected with this zombie disease and used in warfare. And I'm like, wow, that is like genius. That's corrupt and fucked up on many levels, but that's genius to infect people and then release them in a battlefield where they are like, they can't be killed, right? Because they're already, they're already dead. You see this contagion spreading among the poor again. Uh, they were among people who were dying of illness. They were already ill. Um, they were very poor. They didn't have a lot to eat and they all start dying of I mean I mean their disease starts to spread and they all become zombies after they commit cannibalism after eating a boy who was attacked by the zombie king right and that's how this massive um, plague starts to take over Joseon it started with cam cannibalism right and it was out of desperation it was out of the fact that they were all uh, broken destitute season one of this show was directed by Kim Sung-un who fun fact shares the same birthday as I do and with Rihanna and with Kurt Cobain. Like, what a cool guy. And Kim, he directed a film called A Hard Day that went to Cannes. And that movie starred Lee Seung-kyun and Jo Jin-ung. And that's a pretty good movie. I, I think it's a 
I think it's a pretty good film. I thought it was a very smart move to hire a film director to helm a series like this because, you know, Kingdom, the scale of Kingdom is massive, right? The budget was enormous. It was like nearly $2 million per episode. And um, yeah, like several people died during the production of this show from overworking. And overworking on film and TV sets is a huge problem in Korea. The overworking is normalized there and the Korean media industries really need to unionize and set rigid standards in order to protect their workers like they do in Hollywood. Hollywood, it's got its own issues, but they unionized in the 1930s and, you know, things started to get a little bit better since then over the years. Like they're still making adjustments. It's still an uphill battle, but you have to unionize. And I heard whispers of unions in Korean media industries, but they're not impactful. They are not effective and they really need to take it seriously. They need to invest some time and money into planning and strategizing so they can protect their industry workers because dying of overworking is ridiculous. There, nobody should die on a film or TV set. It's not worth it. And that's the big irony of this because Kingdom critiques those in power, right? It's a critique of power corruption and those with and those with the wealth, but their set doesn't seem to take care of the people behind the camera. And I think that's a real shame. I loved Peduna on this show. I think Peduna is loved by pretty much everybody. And she symbolizes feminine power, but also queer femininity. And she's got this great presence and energy in like almost anything I've ever seen, it, seen her in. And Kimani wrote a special episode based on Kingdom called Ashin of the North. Which, if you've seen the last episode of season two of Kingdom, you know who Ashin is, okay? I remember seeing on social media some white boys like fangirling over Kingdom and saying how much they love it more than The Walking Dead, a show I've never seen. They were all saying they would love to see a season three of Kingdom, and I was like, there is most definitely going to be more of Kingdom, okay? They wouldn't end with a shot of Chun Ji Hyun in the end of season two if they're not going to do more of kingdom okay like they are gonna bring her back chun ji hyun is a huge global hallyu star she was made world famous in asia through the film my sassy girl which is of course an amazing movie and she became a huge tv success through the show my love from another star which she starred opposite kim Hyun. and if you haven't seen the 2001 film or my sassy girl please watch it it's a classic. It's a classic rom-com and to this day one of my favorite films of all time. Like it still cracks me up because Chun Ji-yeon and Chet Tae-yeon's chemistry is like a match made in heaven. There's like no other. It's just nobody compares. And not too many people know this but Chun Ji-yeon and Chet Tae-yeon played love interests in a 1999 TV show called Happy Together. Um, the TV show sucked but it had some huge stars in it like Lee byung was in it, Song Seung-hun was in it uh, but it's not a very good show at all. Today's guest is Dan Telfer. He's a comedian and writer. His credits include Mad Magazine, The Onion. He wrote on the series The High Court with Doug Benson and D&D Beyond. He also worked on Midnight with Chris Hardwick. And he's just an overall hilarious guy. And he's a really good person. And he's a fan of Kingdom. So what's not to like? Let's talk to Dan Telfer. I was like talking to Natisha. I was like, I emailed Dan like a while ago. But, I mean, I DM'd Dan a while ago about this thing. I'm like waiting for, to hear back. She's like, yeah, he's like newly in love and like he's like moving and he's got all these changes <laughs> in his life. I was like, oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta let him do his thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, well, I, I'm glad. I didn't know I could be using newly in love as, a, as an excuse. Of course. I, I should really lean on that more. 
all the time yeah like even if it's been like 15 years you're like i'm newly in love and uh you know <laughs> didn't get around to responding but yeah how's that going your new relationship it's great um we had been friends for like five years and she's a oh. musician mm-hmm. and she had done some like comedy and music shows and yeah, we just got closer over the pandemic and we're like, okay, well, let's hang out all the time. Wow. Very nice. Yeah. That's always interesting, like when people are friends and then they start dating because um, it doesn't always work out well, right? Like it's when it does work out, it's so great and it's like miraculous and it's awesome because you know each other, you have a, a, you know, an understanding of who each other are and all that and it's really nice. But like, when it's not what you know when it was like a mistake it's like oh this was a mistake (laughs) like has that ever happened to you yes uh well (laughs) yes but uh but you know i'm not i'm not a big dating person so Uh, okay uh, yeah i'm 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 happy that it worked out Mm -hmm. yeah i'm not either like when it comes to dating i'm just like no thank you like especially last couple of years i've just been like no thanks yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's a lot of work. Um, it takes up a lot of like mental and emotional energy and all that. What do you have a dog or something? You have a pet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you hear a noise, that's um, that's my girlfriend's French bulldog who is um, oh, whining, so whining for attention. Cute. Oh, what a cute dog, man! Yeah. I it's taking every. It's like so much. Like I'm just really trying hard not to get a pet right now. You know, because I know that Man. that's what I want, but yeah. nope. Well, you know I'm a cat person, right? That's, good. Mm. that's where I hosted all those shows in a, in a freaking yes. cat shelter uh, yes. slash bookstore slash venue. So yes. like I, uh, I've been like this close to getting a cat, but I I don't. I'm at my girlfriend's parents' place. Mm. I can't get a cat. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you haven't been raising cats like on your own? No, 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 uh, no cat farm that you might expect me to to oh. be. Uh, a part of but um i've definitely gone on some walks in the neighborhood where i've tried to pet all the cats because oh. Sac- sacramento the weather is 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 nice uh enough that people just let their cats outside all the time oh which wow I've, i don't think i could ever do i don't i, I yeah. love cats i love letting animals be what they yes. are and be free mm-hmm. but the idea of letting my own personal pet wander around and then come back it's that's no thanks. Like I think that's that's how really sad things happen. So um, yeah, I uh, I don't get it per se, but I enjoy that I can walk down the street and pet everyone's cat. That's nice. Yeah, it does uh, take a lot of uh, trust in not only the cat but in the universe that your cat will <laughs> be safe when you just let it out because like they can't come back and just like tell you what happened to it. You know, they 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 don't yeah, I... speak. <laughs> Part of what I love about cats is they're very independently spirited and they don't need you emotionally. So like, like I I get it, but, but, uh, I don't, I don't trust that they won't sort of independently wander into a truck or a coyote and I don't want to. Exactly. I I, I know that when I grew up, I had this cat that was a real piece of shit. Um, his name was Chucky Uh and he was long haired and my mom got him from a friend and he, we just. Oh, my brother and I spent all this time brushing his long ass hair and and taking care of him, even though he would fight us. Uh-huh. And he would get he would pick fights with like pit bulls and German oh. shepherds in the neighborhood. He was an outdoor cat. Wow. Um, 
and I hated it. I was like, can we just keep him inside? My mom was like, no, it's not his his spirit. And we were like, uh. ugh. <laughs> uh, and then, but then he w- there was at least twice where he was gone for like a week, and we found him like under a collapsed fence. Oh god! And, and he and he was like, you know, not maimed, but like really badly screwed up and and like yeah. hiding. And okay, and yeah, he's an asshole. Yeah, yeah, and you have that experience. <laughs> so- yeah, and you you also understand that like. When they're outdoors a lot, they become more feral, and hence the assholeness. Right, right, and <laughs> and I know that now, uh, having done a thing called Google. But like you know, in the in the in the late eighties, early nineties, like yeah. everyone was just like, oh, if a cat wants to go outside, you just let it. Let and I was out. like, it seems overly generous. <laughs> yeah, like I had a I had a neighbor who did that too. Like she had this one cat. It was like a really cute tabby, and. You know, they would just let her out all the time. And one day she just comes home pregnant. <laughs> and then they have... Right. They become four cats. Yeah. And um, the family was just okay with letting the cat out and letting the cat back in. And they would just let the cat sleep in their bed. And I'm like, the cat's been all over the world. And you just the cat tracked in the world into your bed. And you're cool with that. That's... It's, it's admirable, honestly. I don't have that <laughs> kind of... Um, yeah. Leniency. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're in... The sack. That's what they call it up there, right? The sack. Yes. And the show started, right? That's I, I walked right into it. We're already in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're okay. doing it. We're in it. And uh, this blue hair thing, You've. this is a pandemic change, right? Sort of. I used to dye my hair all the time. Oh, um, okay. I used to I, I used to have mohawks and that were like blue and green. Ah. And, uh, even, even as recently as like two years ago, I had like purple and blue. And, uh, nice. and blonde hair, but um, you know, I I definitely feel like if I'm in the pandemic, who gives a shit? You know, I used to have a manager. I used to go out to audition for like game show host gigs right. and other comedian adjacent uh, acting. But yeah. like, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I I'm lucky that my you know my girlfriend also dyes her hair and uh-huh. she knows how to do it. Yeah. So uh, she's 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 gets all the credit for it looking half decent. I just did it again yesterday, so it's extremely neon right now. Yeah, um, it's great. I love it. Um, yeah, quite a people. I mean, that's that's been the pandemic thing, right? Like doing things to your hair uh, because sure. <laughs> all the salons. Is are... it? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> talked to anyone else who's done anything crazy. Besides well, early my, on, my... <clears throat> like in March, uh, no, like April, May, that was like something I saw a lot on social media, like people cutting their own hair, people dyeing their right. own hair. Um, I don't have the bravery to do it. Um, I, if, man, I had, if it helps, I've, I feel like I've seen more people complain that they can't possibly cut their own hair. <laughs> yeah. I, a lot of people <laughs> talk about it. I think 100% of everyone is talking about the new environment, but like, uh-huh. you know, I'm maybe it's because of the privilege I have. I, I noticed the other end of the spectrum. Everybody's <laughs> right. going like, oh, God, they have to open a salon right now. <laughs> I, my hair is impossible. Yes. I can't touch it. Yes, I am one of those people. Man, I'm lucky as a guy I don't have to deal with the, the sort of emotional part. Of it. I Growing up, my dad went bald when he was 16, and he like wouldn't oh, let wow. me in my... And I had four um, stepbrothers, two on each remarriage side. I had all these brothers, yeah. and we were all we were all within only like a year and a half, two years of each other. Yeah. And um, my dad got remarried, and there, I had two stepbrothers, so I had three brothers on that side. Uh-huh. And my dad was always like, "You guys, you can never shave your head. I was <laughs> bald too young. It's too traumatic to see <laughs> my own flesh and blood 
with his shaved head. You can never. And he would just talk about how he went bald when he was 16 all the time. And at one point, um, I saw he left a, his toupee in the bathtub, and I thought it was a muskrat that had broken into the house. And I freaked out. It's like, oh, like, like, and and I screamed. And um, and um, I, my mom wasn't able to laugh about it till they got divorced. Years later, but it was very funny. And and uh, but like, but I grew up with this idea that hair is very like terrifyingly precious, uh-huh. and, and I think I had a, I had a sense of irony and humor about yeah. it by the time I was like ten or eleven years old because it was like who cares? Like, right. There's no there's no way if I go bald I will be as upset as my father was. So mm. it, it's it, if this all fell out it would be like whatever. It's right, it's, right. Well, you I say, mean, it did briefly, but <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Right, right. That's right. You're a cancer survivor. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I noticed that um, you talk about that a lot. And you also released an album recently, did you not? Yeah. So I had enough material where I was going to go on the road and kind of like get an hour looking real tight and put another album out. And then, um, Grace, I don't know if you knew the civilization melted. So what I did was (laughs) I just took like a couple of the shows that I had in the bank yeah um and uh my girlfriend is not just a a musician but she's an audio engineer and so she went into some of the video i had and like really like you know made the audio as pretty and high quality as you could and um i put it out as two eps that equal an hour but are from two different shows and i i never i don't know about you like i'm a big fan of comedy albums i grew up with them it's a big reason why i'm in stand-up and um i never really was a huge like I never judged a comedian for doing it, but I was never a huge fan of like putting out an album where it's from multiple shows and the audience sounds different and mm. the acoustics sound different. So I just was, I just was like, I'll put out two EPs. One of them's like 15 minutes, and then one of them's like half an hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll just, I'll just put those out separate as opposed to trying to cram them together. Mm. And I'll just call them EP- EPs uh, to, to signify like I'm acknowledging this is a short album mm-hmm. and not like a full hour. Mm-hmm. Um, because I figured it was topical enough where if people listen to it, it'll sell enough and let people be like, Oh, this is like a new album sort of, mm-hmm. uh, but, but it wasn't topical enough that I thought if I sat on that material for however the fucking long right. we're living, like that it would be worth putting out in front of a live audience yeah. in 2022 or whatever. I had a feeling, <laughs> you know, when I put the first one out, it was cause it, do you know, Bandcamp? Yeah. So Bandcamp is awesome, right? Yeah. Like they give the the person putting the albums out all the, all this wonderful percentage that uh, Apple and Spotify don't. So like, yeah. I they had those free uh, artist days where they're mm. giving the artists a hundred percent. Oh, very the, nice. They still do it actually, but they started doing it. I want to say like May, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, they're going to do this. I'll put it out on Bandcamp. Um, and uh, yeah, it worked. It worked out really well, and um, I'm glad I did it. Yeah, but. Uh, but uh, I've got those out, and that's nice. Yeah. What's the title of this, the the albums? Um, the first one was called Patience Zero, mm-hmm. and then the second one is called uh, Oh, I gotta look it up. Something about <laughs> chaos. The gr- the greater chaotic good is what it's called. Oh, nice. I love those titles. Thank you. Yeah. They're, they're nerdy. Yeah. No, I mean, well, yeah, but you know, you're you're a nerd right i mean like you i, I tease, guess i didn't <laughs> you know like come on but you know like but it wasn't like okay to be a nerd that's true until until like 2007 <laughs> and then i think 
Yeah. And and I'm 42, so like it wasn't. Not only was it not okay to be <laughs> a nerd, so I was life. like, right, right. For like my whole life, if you said you were a nerd, it's like, okay, well, fuck you, we're gonna kill you. <laughs> right, right, but right. Like, but that, but then, yes. like, but then it only took like a year and a half before mm-hmm. nerds having become the center of the universe ruined everything and uh-huh. became these like. Yeah. These like assaulting, mm-hmm. horrible people who were just as bad as any jock and like Silicon then, so Valley like, monsters. Yeah, right, right. Silicon Valley monsters, really toxic members of every community who are yeah. who are really misogynist. And <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, okay, I guess I'm gonna own. I'm gonna. I owned it for like a year and a half because it was good for my stand up career. And then I was like, you know what? I let's go back to me just being awkward. What if that was the <laughs> Let's just use that as the tag. Yeah, it's and a not... safer brand. Yeah. But there was definitely, like, I remember a point where, like, I thought being mm-hmm. nerdy had been taken back. Like, we took it back. Yeah. Uh, as a, and, and I was doing a show in rural Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, you know, so I'm kind of nerdy. And, like, a whole table of people were like, yeah, no shit. Oh, oh and, I was, and I was like, I was like, oh, people still think of nerds as, like, yeah. Like this 1950s level, like mm-hmm. we have to kill them so they don't breed, like cockroach <laughs> level thing. I was like, God, is what? What do you think that's about? Like, what? What oh. makes nerds hateful that way? Like, why do people attack them and want to murder them? Why? Well, that is a very old thing, right? And and again, I, let's not give nerds too much credit. They've ruined everything. They've taken <laughs> back. But like the that particular hatred, I really do think is just these people who think only the strong should survive it's just like manifest uh, destiny level like 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 oh you're 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 weak and gross we have to make sure the women you know aren't accidentally falling in love with you like kind of <laughs> like, like like bully mentality where like you really think life is only about like breeding and money and nothing else uh, like it, 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 it's really strange but it is uh, strange you know, it is strange. America's America's a very broken country founded on stealing land and right. I think a lot of people a lot of people are in like this <laughs> decades of denial. It's really it's really disturbing. Yeah, so maybe some of it is kind of that primal instinct that um I think so. one should ignore, but they kind of let it take over their minds. I yeah. think so. I, I think I think it's also just a bully mentality. Like like you know, um, mm. I, one of the reasons I do feel like comfortable leaning on that nerd thing is because I was bullied really horribly as yeah. a child, and so I feel like I, unlike a lot of nerds who are just like I I like video games, but right. also I've never had a problem with dating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very attractive. I feel like <laughs> I'm the kind of person who like at least until you know. I was an adult, didn't know what the fuck to do with myself. So, like, I, I, I get, like, what it's like to be a bully. Bullies are typically people who they get more social status by shoving people down. Mm-hmm. And they, they rarely pay any consequences. It's usually somebody who, as a kid, was, like, like born into a top status either because of money mm-hmm. or size mm-hmm. or just denial. Right. And uh, they, they know they'll get more friends, money... Uh, food, you know, <laughs> shelter. Uh, they're yeah. cavemen, basically. So it's it's they don't. And they don't, yeah, the, bullies never really pay a price. Uh, bullies generally got away with it their whole lives. Nobody really. Yeah. Bully, if you remember bullying when we were both kids, even though we're very different generations, they've mm-hmm. never really had a clear, clean law about it in America or or pretty much anywhere. It's bullying is like this thing people still get away with. Mm-hmm. So like it's. 
yeah, yeah bullying is it's somewhat normalized yeah mm-hmm. um and the people who are on the other end of it are also um sort of trained to accept it to train to kind of be like oh that's okay like even at work you know if your boss is a dick it's like oh yeah they're supposed to be that way they're supposed to be rude monstrous assholes and push us around to help make us quote unquote yeah. better yeah um, so yeah, maybe it's it's uh, very closely, it fits in neatly with capitalist sort of mentality, like efficiency. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. get things done. Uh huh. Like stop whining, shut up, get it done. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. This American Ugh. Christian capitalist sort of um, ideology. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, then then you get into that creepy Ayn Rand, Rand Paul, like, <laughs> conservative shit with bootstraps. It's, uh, oh, who was it? Yeah. I want, who, is, this might be um, Malcolm X, who, somebody has that quote of, like, uh, it might be Martin Luther King, like, like, mm. like they talk about pu- pull yourselves up by our bootstraps, but they've been stealing our boots. Mm. Like, we, we've been without shoes for yeah. our whole lives, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's... Mm-hmm. the the level of entitlement in this country is really disturbing i i don't i don't i don't yeah. like it very much yeah yeah it is disturbing and um you know i think uh yeah i think it takes time for people to come around to it because like for so long you know especially when i was like you know in my early in my late teens early 20s you know um when i was starting to work and like make my own money and whatnot like life just felt very hard and I was just like oh is this how it's gonna be like till the day I die because <laughs> this is exhausting it's a lot it's I'm very unhappy and I was just like you know this is awful and then you know you just come around to it and you're like oh like you don't have to live that way um I don't I don't have to live that way I could choose an easier path if I want let me try and figure out what the easiest path is you know and so that's what I've been doing. And that is why I pursue comedy, because this is such an easy path. It's like a walk in the park, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. They tell you right away, you will make no money at this. You should lower <laughs> your standards. You should prepare for trauma. And you're like, oh, I've uh, that's all where I was going already. Yeah, yeah. I'm used to it. Yeah, I'm, re- I'm prepared for this by life. <laughs> Yeah, so let's talk about Kingdom a little bit because usually usually I don't talk about the show so much with my guests because most of my guests have never seen um, Korean television at all. But um, I know you watched Kingdom. Um, I did. I've watched all of it. Yeah. How did you even get around to it? Are you just a zombie fan? Is that what the attraction was? like? You know, I got really lucky. Um, I... I got to this point in stand-up where I could just go on Twitter and say, hey, what should I watch? And I got it that way. Just like people nice. were telling me on Twitter, this thing's amazing. If mm-hmm. you like, you know, if you, it's one of those things where they were like, oh, if you like Parasite, you'll love Kingdom. I and I was like, what do you mean? And now that I've seen it, I'm like, oh, this is like, this is like Game of Thrones level fun. Yeah. And it's, it's, I felt like I should have found out about it sooner. South Korea's film and tv industry is so fucking amazing it's really starting to become clear that yeah. i need to watch more of it what I, I'm, I'm the next movie i have to watch is is it is it pronounced busan the train to busan have train you seen to that busan? uh-huh yeah yeah that's that looks like an amazing zombie movie yeah and 
yeah, I just got told to watch it, and then I got sucked in immediately. It's really funny, goofy, campy, but like its production value is so high. It is that uh, it, it's undeniably addictive. Like you, you, you get I think one episode in, and you're like. Holy shit, this set cost more than most American yeah. TV and I haven't heard about this. It's kind of, it's it's kind of stunning that it flies under the radar. I really feel like it's just casual mm-hmm. uh American racism that keeps it from being the most like mm-hmm. talked about thing on Netflix. Where are they with the new season? Um I think this year they're going to come out with the it's not even a prequel or a sequel. It's like a side side episode or a side movie i think it's going to be like a one-off but um oh is that just because of the restrictions they were like this is what we can handle probably most likely because it really uh, set up the we're getting ahead of ourselves right but like no no it's okay like a new season was like like very there was the most of any season they were they were hinting more on the way oh yeah (laughs) i mean yeah very much very much they were like (laughs) you know there's still this profound secret behind the the resurrection plant (laughs) we were talking about this on twitter i think right like how like the end of the season i didn't know who the hell that lady was But my girlfriend and I were like, "Who the? Why the fuck did she turn around oh. all dramatically to the camera like the, that?" We were like, because, "She's a very commonly known actress." Right? Yeah, it like that. You're talking about the American ignorance right now. That is very much an American ignorance. Like all of Asia, all of Asia, parts of Latin America, parts of Africa, they know who she is. Like Chun Ji Hyun is a huge star. She's been a huge star for like 20 years, ever since that film, My Sassy Girl. And, um, you know, she started out as a model, very successful model. She was in TV drama since, like, late 90s. And, uh, yeah, My Sassy Girl came out in, I think, the year 2000. Huge success. Uh, She became, like, this mega star instantly, overnight. And, yeah, anything she ever does or touches is just, like, a hit, you know? So when I I saw her turn around, I was like, oh, there is definitely going to be more of this show. You know, because like they wouldn't mm-hmm. just put her in there um, just by just be like, oh, why don't we just stick her in as a cameo? It's like you don't put a star of that stature in as a cameo. You put a star like that that is in there to signal to everybody that there will be another there will be more of this show. Yeah. She's a huge star. Chun Jian. Um, yeah. So that's exciting. And I was just like, yeah, I was just thinking a lot about um, like blood you know, when it came to the show, I was thinking a lot about like, what does the zombie signify in like a Chosun <laughs> dynasty Korea, like pre-modern, you know, monarch Korea? What does this signify? Um, you mentioned Train to Busan. The the filmmaker made um, a feature animated film, which I don't I don't know if the distribution is as accessible here. So if you if you really want to nerd out and watch them like in sequence. I would recommend oh, watching cool. the animated feature first by the director and then watching Train to Busan. Um, okay. Yeah. And Busan is where I was born, actually. No kidding. Yeah. 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 I want to give away spoilers to talk about it, but, you know, we're not talking about Train to Busan in this. We're talking about Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so was, well... Uh, yeah. I I really I really dug Kingdom. I think the the biggest surprise for me from the show was just the production value, but I like the plot. We, we joked about this on Twitter a little bit mm-hmm. too, but it is funny how like, 
it it really it really comes apart at the seams a little bit with the fake science like i <laughs> you were talking about the the blood i was like i was like man like like i i was able to i think suspend my disbelief pretty well but there is definitely a point in the in this it's only two seasons right so yeah. like and I, I haven't watched it in um in eight months now and i binged yeah. it in like a week so it my brain's a little fuzzy but uh yeah like it's it it's funny how like the last couple of episodes they really are treating the zombie virus like a very strict mm-hmm. vampire rules or like the movie mm-hmm. gremlins with mogwai like don't mm-hmm. feed them after midnight kind of mm-hmm. shit like with this virus and i was like <laughs> okay but it's much more about intrigue for like a season and a half <laughs> yeah it felt because because i felt like it dealt with this sort of folklore aspect of it really mm-hmm. well for a while so like mm-hmm. i i um I don't mean to brag because I am very mm-hmm. dumb. At the end of the mm-hmm. day, I'm not like an academic person, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm a nerd, as we've yeah. established. I love yeah. folklore, and I used to be a playwright, and I used to mm-hmm. write about folktale type stuff. And mm-hmm. I was in a theater company that was all about folktales. And yeah. um, I was really into how in the beginning it felt like, like, did you see Lovecraft Country? I watched like, like the first episode. It really well. I I liked it, but it's very it's a difficult watch. So I will never blame anyone for bailing on that yeah. show. But uh, it it tries to weave in on Lovecraft Country, Korean uh, folktale, in, in a very unique way. And I thought this show really, because it was taking place so far back in the past, was treating the zombie thing like they weren't really zombies. They were just mm-hmm. they were like a they were like a kind of ghost or Ghosts. something. Mm-hmm. Um, remind me a lot of Japanese ghost stories and even mm-hmm. African ghost stories. The way these were these were people who had died, but like mm-hmm. I felt like they were motivated by a, a god or something rather than their blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that part I loved. I really loved in the beginning. I felt almost like a religious kind of zombie. Yeah. Uh, and then when it got to be about the blood, it was only disappointing because they they talked about it a lot too much. And, and, yeah. How much? How much do you want to get into spoilers on your oh, show? Oh, all right? of it. Yeah, I I, I told it, everybody from episode one that this will be full of spoilers, so we're good. The the dipping people into water <laughs> shit got real fucking silly because like it made you go back, right? Like they yeah. don't really mention it till near the end of the second yeah. season, but like we're talking a season and a half of like you got to go. Oh, like wait, when did that one person fall in the water eight episodes yeah. ago? So like you start going like, uh, I feel like there's like. Upwards of seven hundred people who were cured. <laughs> yeah, like they just, they were because there was cured. a lot of water. Yeah, yeah. When they were yeah, battling the first season, they get yeah they like they get like yeah. tricked into going in the water. There's yeah. a boat full of people that yes. get infected. Like, like it re- it was a plot element that they must have known was coming up, but they just like glossed over. Yeah, yeah. That so. um, that I didn't I didn't even think that far into it. I was just like, oh wait it's a worm like that annoyed me i was like that that's very <laughs> annoying that this is it's very materialist kind of you know um it's now getting into like sci-fi kind of shit um yeah and i i agree uh when you mentioned zombies um yeah like i think the zombie it comes from like haiti right is that correct i think they come from haiti i think it's like a haitian kind of well um, yeah it's tough because i i you're right i think and it's it's definitely got roots in that um 
what is it? It's like a poison that you give people, and then they wake mm. up and they wander around. Mm. Um, I, they talk about it in the Serpent and the Rainbow. Do you know mm-hmm. the Serpent and the Rainbow? So, like, no. yeah, like, you're right. It, it's it's, but 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 I think that's our modern idea in a zombie. The idea of, of there just being like sort of undead husks of people is like a very very old idea that predates, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know that modern idea of zombies that I think is only like. 150 years old yeah and uh do you remember seeing in the news like there were like all these minks that became zombies Did you mm-hmm. see? <laughs> well, okay and then and then uh, the i think the, the the most commonly known creepy nature zombie right is that fungus that can like grow in an ant's brain oh my Have you god seen that? no so there's this there's this thing that um it's a spore this is the inspiration for the video games The Last of Us 1 and 2. But, like, there's this spore that will, like, infect an ant. And the ant's head will get taken over and it will <gasps> run their central nervous system. But the spore will just start blooming out of the ant's uh, exoskeletal head. Like, split the, the, oh my the God. exoskeleton open. And it'll just tell the ant to go high up. And it'll... it'll um, it, it, the, the head will just sort of reach out and the spores will just, like... Oh my spread. god! For, and will yeah, the ant like move around and like attack other ants and bite them and yeah. shit? Well, it won't, I don't think it bites them, but it definitely like will try to infect other ants. And but I mean that's what's really, I think, compelling about the virus take on zombies is there are a lot of viruses. Ugh, Grace, <laughs> there's a lot of viruses where they the way it spreads is it 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 does influence the behavior of its host to try to have it engage in more risky behavior this is right. um this is something that you could read about in the 90s with uh, toxoplasmosis mm. as a as a friend of the cat the house cat mm-hmm. i can tell you did you ever see the movie train spotting i did so remember when the guy dies of quote-unquote cat shite disease uh-huh yes because he has aids and he gets from the cats this toxoplasmosis thing that is very deadly when your immune system is compromised oh, yeah which it's i was worried i'm glad i didn't have a cat when i was going through (laughs) chemotherapy uh but like the the idea i don't know if that really mattered um i'm just i'm just a a paranoid person yeah don't don't look that up and (laughs) listeners don't look that up and tell me whether don't throw away your cat if you have cancer no 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 (laughs) but 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 that is if you have uh hiv they they at least used to be when train spotting was made and, and, yeah. and AIDS, AIDS was a little more mysterious to science because I think it was in the book for train spotting too. And it, uh-huh. that was written 10 years earlier, I think. Uh-huh. Um, the, the idea that you could get this was scary. And uh, that disease, they were worried for a while. I don't know how true it is or if they ever prove or disprove, but I remember for years reading about how scary yeah. it was. Toxoplasmosis is mostly this thing in cats and other animals that will like lead them to die on purpose they will it will oh like will, yeah it like makes you kind of like get adrenaline rushes that make you like say wander into traffic and stuff like that so they thought they were realizing more and more people were passively infected with it and that they weren't it, they weren't dying because their immune systems were fine but they were the virus was thriving in their system with no clear effects but then they did brain uh scans on people and yeah. it was affected it was affecting their thoughts oh so it's like, like I, uh it's I like meth know. right and i don't i don't have enough current data on this but uh, i think about this kind of thing a lot like it, it, the, the there was concern that this virus could 
cause a human being to engage in suicidal behavior uh, mm-hmm. and that everyone had it, like a bunch of people who either were around cats for a minute or uh. like, you know, had been around other people who had cats. And it was scary. There was articles written about it 20 years ago. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm having some old paranoia. But like when I <laughs> when I read about the news and what's happening now, I get really freaked out because I think a lot of people are like uh, over the virus. <laughs> They're right. like, I'm just, I'm just going to live my life. Yeah. And I'm like, that sounds like... <laughs> It sounds like that was written by the virus. It sounds like, <laughs> you know, um, that's hilarious. Sounds like the, the press release for your life sounds like it was written by the virus. Because guess who's guess who's going to have more fun than you when you have that barbecue? The virus. The virus. The virus yeah. is going to have a great time at your. <laughs> oh, but I'm outside. Yeah, you still need a mask. It turns out. It's still, this is this is not a virus that goes. Wait, I'm outside. <laughs> I guess I got to be nice. It's, uh, I, I it's, remember it's... like the morning I was, I was in New York at the time. I remember I woke up that morning mm. and, um, and I looked at my phone and they were like, Trump has COVID. Um, and so I was like, okay. And like my, at the time I was very happy cause I was like back home and, you know, I was like seeing my friends and I was like, eating steak and I was just happy at the time and so I was in a very positive place and like when I saw my um my friend the friends that I was staying with I turned to him I was like oh happy day and he looked at me he's like what what are you talking about I was like Trump has COVID and he's like oh wow okay he's like why do you say oh happy day I was like I guess because I believe that you know now that he has it he'll come around to some realizations you know with mm-hmm. death at his doorstep and he was like oh okay and of course, oh. that just did not happen at all. I think I think that's really. I don't mean to sound condescending, Grace. I think yeah. a lot of you and your intelligence. I think that's 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 <laughs> shockingly optimistic. Yeah, I was very I was, very optimistic. I, I the 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 song "I Believe in Miracles" was playing in my head, but because I thought I thought he was gonna die. I thought he was gonna die, Grace. That's why I yeah. was excited. I was. Oh yeah, yeah. That I didn't think he was gonna realize that shit. was, of course, on the other. Yeah, yeah. That was, of course, the primary. But I was also thinking, like, I mean, he's the president. They're gonna give him the best medical care and all right. that. So assuming that, and also knowing how many people had recovered from it, I was just like, I, he, I knew he wouldn't. But I was, yeah. but I was also just like, ooh, he's gonna suffer. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The hope was he's going to suffer and suffering will lead to compassion and understanding and that he would come around. And none of that happened. None of it. In fact, it went the opposite. It got worse. I I did, uh, as was observed by many folks, I I really did enjoy his sort of uh, fuady cat walk he Mm -hmm. had to the helicopter that one day that he did have this look on his face of like, like, uh oh, Uh -oh. Papa's (laughs) Papa's got an owie, (laughs) you know. But uh, the 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 lethargy yeah. that he was yeah. exhibiting, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, that only, was. Mm-hmm. He's only yeah. had the most basic suffering his whole life. The only the only suffering he's ever had is the egg McMuffin shits because he doesn't take care of his body. <laughs> but like he's finally yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, but yeah, like the whole um, virus thing. Yeah, I don't know. When I was watching Kingdom, though, I was just kind of thinking more in terms of blood, like, um, like, like if you if you watch it, they talk about blood often, you know, like the yes. the Cho, the Cho clan that's like obsessed with blood lineage, you know, he's like, I want my blood to be royal blood, and when the daughter, 
you know, with her daddy issues, the queen, she's like, I don't, I'm not pregnant. You know, the old fart, he couldn't knock her up uh, or she kept miscarrying because um, the doctors faulted the woman. They were like, you have a inhospitable womb or whatever. And so they faulted her, of course, as they do. And um, <laughs> so she devises this horrible plan to just round up pregnant women in their third trimester and um, feed them and house them until they're ready to give birth. And once they do, she will pick the boy out of the crop. And if they're girls, then they will be killed. So this kind of harkens back to like Korea's history of um, gender. Um, how do you say like it's it's a gendered abortion, um, gendered abortion. They did this up until the 80s oh, wow. where they preferred uh, boys over girls. Um, due to patriarchal purposes, the whole patrilineal obsession. And so that's there. And then this whole like notion of blood also in Korea, like, you know, um, it's like, oh, like you have to have like, it's like a nationalist thing. So it's actually like a conservative nationalist ideology. It's similar to like, you know, what you get in among the, the, the Germans with the Nazis is similar to what you get among the, the, the white supremacists. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's still a lot of it in current day Europe, just across all the countries. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, it's there. It's in every country. You find nationalism in every single country. And, yep. uh, you know, you find conservative ideology linked to essentialism um, and blood ties and all of that. You find it in every single country. But countries that have suffered in war tend to be more, uh, you know, vindictive and they will take it out in in weird ways like, you know. Um, like many supremacists do, uh, it's out of insecurity, right? So, like, that's what the Cho yeah. clan does. And um, But um, just kind of thinking in terms of, like, I mean, or maybe even your understanding of, like, zombies, like, um, do you... Because, like, this is my understanding of it, just from what little I read about it. Mm -hmm. Zombies are supposed to represent, uh, like, capitalist neoliberal kind of crisis of some sort. Like... Um, you know, it, it can it can be about like the rich, you know, like the poor eating the poor, you know, because the, yeah. the wealthy are holding everything at the top and the poor can't get out of their poor system. So we have that kind of like class warfare a little bit um, where the upper class in kingdom are taking advantage of the lower class and turning them into slaves or turning them into zombie warriors or um, or letting them die, <laughs> letting them die off and starve off. Um but then, like, kind of tying back to, like, blood again, when the baby at the end is born, right? I, I, they have the baby and they say this is the next crown prince and going to be the heir to the mm. throne. Um, and they're like, well, this isn't of royal blood, right? And it's like the the prince Chang at the time is like, okay, well, this baby has to be the king, Um I will leave the picture because I beheaded yeah. my father and a bunch of people witnessed that and we don't want problems later on. So he exits, um, even though he is of quote unquote royal blood. Right. But I liked what he said where he says like, this baby is my brother and this baby is my father's son. And that was a very ambiguous thing to say because what that means, he could have been saying that like figuratively, you know, metaphorically, um, and just be like, just put that in the written text and the historical annals or whatever. But I think he was saying it like, as a nation, we are one and we are yep. of the same blood. I and agree. therefore, 
this is of royal blood. And I was just like, oh, what an ambiguous thing to say. Because uh, this whole time I thought, oh, like if you let this um, uh, low class bastard child become the king, then it's like you kind of upturn this obsession with royal blood and whatnot. But then if you then go ahead and say this is now like this is of royal blood because you know the king's blood is like everybody's blood or you know like we're all kind of kings in that way then it then it's like you could easily re read that as oh this is like a nationalist supremacist <laughs> kind of thing well that's where it gets tricky right i mean i i saw this just a couple months after seeing parasite so the whole time i was definitely like oh man south korea is doing classism right you know i was like excited to see them comment on it I think I think that kind of commentary is important for all of us to get out of this really horrible classist world that we've been in since the beginning of humanity. And it's it's mm -hmm. it's difficult to yank ourselves out of it. I really remember that point feeling like it was a complicated writing move mm. on behalf of the show because it, it, it did feel like they were at the same time trying to have their cake and eat it, too. Like, like oh, yeah. OK, uh, he's being noble, but also it's shitty. <laughs> you know he's it's tough it's tough because because okay i really quick i i don't want to talk too much about myself because there's so much to talk about the show but i really i identify with pacifism in mm -hmm. horror i i love when the hero is violent because he has to be and it's kind of mm -hmm. the whole time like i wish i didn't have to do this mm -hmm. um it's so much better than adrenaline fueled violence mm -hmm. i get really turned off by adrenaline fueled violence mm -hmm. like natural born killers and mm -hmm. even zombie land mm -hmm. one and two which i think are fun movies but i get bored i'm like mm -hmm. all right i get it you're you're excited you get to kill people fucking right. whatever but like i think what i find more compelling is when you're like you're doing it and you hate doing it and there's like this sort mm. of like this more realistic kind of solemnness about it you're like Ugh. it's why the walking dead i think was was good for half a season there like i think it was it was like this idea of like oh wait there's it's sorrowful to be stuck in this situation and i think mm. when he has that moment of he's saying like oh he is my my brother he is my father's son and he is implying that there is this sort of moment where like oh he's finding the humanity he's finding a reason to empathize with this baby he's finding a reason to be a pacifist he's mm -hmm. finding like like oh like I, I could um be selfish right now mm -hmm. and it's it's really fucked up how he still puts all this emphasis on his dad after two seasons of just like <laughs> but your dad hasn't been human for a while. It seems like he yeah. was kind of a, a trash heap before he turned into a zombie. Like mm -hmm. it, it really, it's frustrating, but um, I think it was, it was, it's one of the better parts of the show. I think, mm -hmm. I think when the show leaned on that kind of stuff, you could really get where the characters were coming from. You can really go, okay, this was the 1300s. So, mm -hmm. so humanity had a different sense of what was right and wrong and of course you mm -hmm. would say something like that mm -hmm. um but uh i really liked that moment it just sucked because i don't know like the his stepmom was such a piece of shit <laughs> and, and she set it all up and it really felt like he oh was also God. letting her win yeah. so i i always i always like um was hoping it would kind of go a third way. I don't know how historically accurate the show is either. So I, <laughs> I, I know, you know, they talk about the Japanese conflict, right? Yeah. So I know it's based in reality, mm -hmm. but yeah. I, at the same time was like, this didn't happen. So like, I, 
I wanted it to be like he goes, well, let's just disassemble the patriarchy completely. Yeah. Like, right? Like, I wanted him yeah. to be like, okay, time for 1300s level <laughs> 21st century socialism. Let's. Yeah. Like, I wanted yeah. him to suddenly become the AOC of 1300s Japan, and it didn't happen. Yeah. It didn't happen great. But, like, I, I really I really felt like he had a moment mm-hmm. there that was, a, like, a little good, a little frustrating. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was... It was um, definitely like a trope they they played with with his character, where he was he was noble to a fault. So I think he I was, was really cu- you know, the, and the, that last episode they really hurried it along. It's kind of insane <laughs> how much they need that third season. I really because it was like all like all, ugh, like the way he dies and comes back, and then yeah. they have that scene, and then they the the epilogue is like yeah. half the episode. It felt like it felt like the epilogue was like he goes and. That now they're now they're virus hunters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it was like really fast. Fucking... Yeah, and um, yeah, and then and they find um that lady who mm-hmm. I guess had orchestrated the virus. She was some kind of uh, drug mule. They they made her seem like okay. Some, yeah, like um, she's a, a mercenary of some sort. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I, I did I. I wanted to know where this was going. I wanted to know who was like was the baby in charge. There's clearly they were setting it up like there was going to be. You'll have King Baby over here. You'll have <laughs> Drug Mule over here. Yeah. But I really was hoping it would get a, a little more to the human aspect of it, and a little less about the rules. Yeah, the rules got but the, a little much. The rules got a bit. Yeah, it was it was getting wacky. But um, I did find it ingenious that they were like. Oh, we don't have enough foot soldiers, so let's turn these infected, dying people into zombies. We'll kill them, turn them into zombies, and yeah. then turn them into soldiers. I thought that was brilliant, and then I thought it was as from an evil standpoint, of course, um, and just like a narrative plot device. I was just like, oh, that's actually brilliant. And then when the queen turns zombies, like you know, loose on the on the kingdom like just be like all right like fuck you fuck all of you i'm gonna uh-huh. you know kill all of you i thought that was also really brilliant because like these um the undead are like they're you can't kill it's impossible to kill them um unless you know everybody has a gun and a sword which not everybody does and the and the fast pace that it kind of spreads mm-hmm. i was just kind of like oh as a weapon as a weapon this is actually really ingenious yeah to kind of use these people and I was hoping they'd end up more like ghosts. I love that shit where they were all bunch up under tree roots and fucking mm-hmm. house foundations whenever the sun came out. That was fucking great. <laughs> yeah, that was then it, amazing. Yeah. yeah. But then, but then it becomes like, well, if the fog conditions are <laughs> above fifty percent visibility, then they can just walk around and do whatever the fuck. I was like, all right. <laughs> I, know, kinda, I know, I know. As soon as assembled it. Normally, when people are that specific, they're like, oh, that's good writing, right? But then when it comes to stuff like this, if it's too specific, it's like, okay, now we're, it's just getting too silly. And that's why well, they, they criticize. Yeah, 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 yeah. They built it up and it, they built it up towards the latter end of it. And that's what made it tricky suddenly. Um, yeah, we're, we're like, now you have, mm-hmm. again, you go back over, it, it's such a carefully paced show. You go over the hours you've already watched and go, okay, when could they have followed a fog? <laughs> Yeah. When was there a rolling fog bank? They they would have just always followed it, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it gets silly like that. Um, but 
a great show nonetheless. Um, I was just like, like I was because I was rewatching it for for this podcast, and I was just like, what a great show! I'm like, this is like a thump. This is a great show, you know? Yeah, it is. And the writer, um, she's also very, very like sought after by the Korean TV industry. She's actually married to a an independent filmmaker. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I did so, see that and uh, yeah. I, th- I thought it was cool. Yeah, like he um, taught her how to screenwrite and then now she's like outdone him. Like, I was going to say, like, because <laughs> um, my girlfriend Kaylin and I were like looking her up and we were like, yeah. oh, like she really knocked this out of the park and like kind of outshone yeah. him. It was it was all it the was way funny. Yeah. Yeah, they were there was like a variety show where the two of them were being interviewed, and and then they were he was just like, yeah, I'm the one that taught her how to like write a screenplay, like I'm the one that you know, but um, man, does she like bring home the bread? <laughs> She's really the one who gets yeah. paid a lot more because he's an independent filmmaker. You know, indie filmmakers are like basically beggars. You know, they don't, they don't make any money out of their of films. Of course, that's true in any country, but uh, <laughs> you know, the, she produced Hollywood level stuff, and the truly yeah. the gore. I would, I, I'm, I'm impressed with the CGI level that she did it with because it mm-hmm. it looks good there's a lot of really bad cgi blood effects there's a lot of like there is yeah a lot of tv and movies in america where they put a ton of money into it but then when somebody bleeds on the ground it looks like a like a college film where they've got ketchup packets <laughs> for blood it's like oh you should have just used ketchup packets that cgi <laughs> blood looks terrible yeah and cgi blood's so expensive yeah it well right and so you wanted you're like oh god you you had access to a lot of money and you bought like an adobe after effects package <laughs> that cost 15 dollars um the the thing one thing i wanted to ask you because mm-hmm. uh i've mostly not been able to talk to anybody who knows about korean tv and film mm-hmm. um so duna bay is in this yeah um, Peduna, yeah or, or Beiduna, yeah um mm huge star i i I definitely have my own white people dumbness with getting uh first and last names uh right in order well it's tuna bay is correct it's just in korean they put the last name first so i know right and 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 then they read they changed it so i looked it up a few Mm -hmm. and i've looked it up because i've i've seen her in tv and movies for Mm america in american tv movies for a while but Mm -hmm. she is usually in wachowski sister shit where she does a Mm -hmm. lot of her own stunts and action sequences but she's like the most action-free nurse in this show is that weird for you (laughs) what is your experience with her because like for me i was like i was like when is she gonna start kicking ass and it's mostly about her feelings i was kind (laughs) of surprised well um i thought it was maybe she was excited to get that kind of role you know so like maybe yeah maybe uh like i was thinking more it was like an like a she was flexing her intelligence you know her knowledge because um you know, yeah, like she does. She's done a lot of action films. Um, I saw the first time I saw her was like in the in the '90s when she did a sitcom. Like a lot of young Korean actors at the time, like in the '90s, were kind of that was sort of their gateway into it. Like starting out sure. in in show business, like they would guest appear on a sitcom, and then you know suddenly they would be on a bunch of TV shows. So I saw, I remember seeing her in that, and I was like she's i was like she's got something like and i was young but i was just like very like drawn i was like drawn into her i remembered her name and everything even though they've had a bunch of you know actors come through and i never remember their names so her name i remembered and then um shortly thereafter i started seeing her in like Pak Chanuk's movies and um 
yeah, like a bunch of other shit. But yeah, she's a very versatile actress. And uh, in this one, yeah, it's very like, I mean, she's in some action, you know, but like it was mostly like whenever they needed a physician, she would be the one, right? Right. Like for a pregnant lady, for uh, a person who just got bit in the face and he's the enemy, but we need to rescue him or just like study the plant and study this disease, you know, <laughs> like she's the one, right? Right. Um, so in that in that in that aspect, I, I was like, okay, this is still an admirable quality um, in a female character. Oh, that, sure. I don't mean yeah. to diminish it. Yeah. it just, I, I felt like of all the <laughs> cast members, she was the most recognizable to an American audience. And yes. Because she spent 10, 15 years in action TV and movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then for her to go back to this, I would have yeah. thought that would have leaned on her action uh, credentials yeah. a little bit. Cause you would think. It but, felt a yeah. little bit, yeah, like like she was like mm-hmm. Tom Cruise level, but she got asked to just be the nurse, <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, you can, make, yeah. You can make, maybe Tom Cruise is better as a nurse, but I thought I thought they could have had her kick more ass. <laughs> yeah, 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 and you know, yeah, maybe that is the sexist part, but it's like they were maybe trying to also be historically accurate in some sense. They were thinking like you know a woman who is also like you know a learned woman in medicine wouldn't know how to like wield a sword very well, you know, like maybe they just kind of put it that way. But and, yeah. And also like if she's out there in the, in the, in the action zone, right. In the fight, mm-hmm. then she might die. And it's like, they need her. She's the one with all the knowledge. Right. And so maybe they needed a protector. I don't know, whatever it is. Um, Yeah. It's fine. I, I love Pedrona though. I think she's, remarkable like yeah i think she's an amazing actress <laughs> yeah i guess it was just like the, the then they have like guys like the tiger hunter guy who's like constantly <laughs> on the verge of being murdered and i'm like Always. okay he's, he's and he's bag. the one that caused this whole fucking mess he's a, you know he's for cannibalism yeah <laughs> so like like i guess i guess what i'm saying is i totally get what you're you're saying but i just i i was like okay at what point do you just let dumbass die and let her like pick up a sword and be like, I'm going to take some lessons. I'm going to just kind of. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Because he was kind of teaching the the civilians yeah. like how to shoot a gun and whatnot. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I was yeah. waiting for her to become kind of like a, a newly anointed warrior. Uh, that especially... would have been badass. It's like that scene in Lord of the Rings when, you know, when that blonde chick was fighting and like what is it one of those evil guys he's like oh don't you know no man can't kill me yeah and she's like oh i'm no man and fucking murders the guy (laughs) yeah you go off the lich king i've been watching the chilling adventures of sabrina where the same woman who plays (laughs) that character is now like that the the adopted auntie of sabrina the teenage witch and so they always do that they always have to put us back in our little domestic spheres that's that's what's so fucking weird is that symmetry of like yeah in america and korea you just if a woman's kicking ass you got to go slow down yeah let's balance this with a little bit of skirts and you making food and shit yeah yeah put you next to a kitty cat yeah yeah Um, Mm. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but it's fine. It's fine. I mean, you know what? Honestly, like as a, as a woman, I do enjoy some of that stuff. I do. <laughs> well, sure, and and I do think Sabrina's a very female forward show, but like right. it, it's yeah. it's still it's still the the role thing. I don't know. And, yeah, and yeah. 
I'm sure once you get to be in your late 40s, early 50s, you're like, okay, mm. what what about if I had to use less Tiger Balm on my joints <laughs> while while I was shooting my next project? What if exactly. I, what if I needed exactly. less bath salts? I will, yes. What if I could just be chill? That would be nice. Yes, exactly. Because even Pituna now, she's you know she's in a lot of Korean dramas too, and she's um she played like a like a cop or a detective, but. It's not very action filled, you know. She's not always like jumping up and down and shit. And she, another recent um, TV drama she did was she played like like a housewife, you know, like a a, ho- a housewife who's going through a divorce. So, yeah, she. I think maybe she wants to relax. Maybe she does, and I'm older than her, so I shouldn't talk shit. Like, like oh, you know, she's <laughs> ancient. Maybe she wants to calm down. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you some flashcard questions. Oh, okay. Right. Here we go. So, like, let's say that you're a civilian who. Um, was at a local hospital because of, you know, injury or whatever. And uh, you were really hungry, right? But then suddenly, oh, my God, out of nowhere, somebody just hands you a bowl of meat soup. But then you find out that the meat you just ate is actually a person. What do you do? Well, this is this is a tough one because I'm a lifelong vegetarian. So r- <laughs> right away, if I'm in a hospital and I'm handed meat soup, I have to assume we are in either apocalyptic or, th- you know, 14th century Jap- uh-huh. uh, Jap- Japan, like Korean conflict. Like, yeah, like, uh, I don't I don't know. Um, it, it's actually so. So I basically like through desperation. I'm just trying to wrap my head around this, Grace. Uh yeah. What do I do? I mean, I gag myself immediately. I try to. <laughs> I like to think I wouldn't know that there's virus. How fast am I supposed to answer a flashcard question, Grace? You can just really take your time. Whatever, I don't. Fine. I think I would be horrified already. If am I in a hut? <laughs> like they yeah. were. Yeah. Yeah. Let's okay. think of, like the context of the show. Yeah. You're like one of these patients, you know, you're of low class. You, you've you been starving. Your village has been starving for a long time. You're very hungry. You don't have the luxury, Dan Telfer, as a vegetarian. All right. Vegetarians out the window. OK, you are a starving man. You've seen your family die of starvation and you're at a hospital and you've been hungry. And this guy hands you a bowl of meat soup and you ate it. But then turns out it was like a 15 year old kid that you just ate. Oh, I would be, I would for sure still be trying to gag myself. (laughs) This is so gross. Like when it, I've read enough. It doesn't matter what country you're in, what century it is. If you're eating people, shit has broken bad. It is not, it is. There's, there's, I think very few cultures even back then that were like okay it's all right it's cool if you got to eat people if you're starving there was yeah. there's definitely a sense that like you could contract some curse or disease so yeah. i i would i would do everything i could to get it out of my i would be like okay reaching for a, a, a nearby stick to like okay. scrape it out of the inside of my mouth yeah, yeah. so bulimia just yeah barf it out 100 percent, 100 i would yeah i'm a very anxious person uh okay. terrified of of death i would be i would be trying to yeah yeah so let's say uh, you're. You sound phys- disappointed, Grace. I'm sorry. Like, you... <laughs> no, it's fine. Are you hoping no, I would be I, into it? I don't know how I would respond in that moment. So your answer is totally uh, acceptable. Okay. 
Yeah. Okay. So let's say uh, you're the the physician Sobi, who's played by Peduna, as we were just talking about, mm-hmm. and you've been working your ass off fighting zombies and trying to find the cure to this illness according to the weather and all that shit, and make sure everything every every single sick person and injured person gets your help, right? And and you're exhausted. It's been a long time doing this, but then this goofy ass magistrate guy with gonorrhea asks you to marry him and run away together what do you do God, that character was such a pain in the ass <laughs> i would kick him in the dick fuck that guy i would i would this is where the fighting comes in i would just straight up annihilate this guy's junk fuck this guy that guy sucked he was like he was the epitome of like the classist shit the fact that he got to stay alive that he survived so many scenarios where he should have gotten killed yeah he he was just he was like who is an attractive person who i can look at that will distract me from the horror around me i really Mm. just want to take a vacation fuck that guy okay i would i'm again i'm a pacifist i would have beaten the shit out of him (laughs) okay all right so no thank you don't know hard pass hard (laughs) pass okay great great all right so let's say uh, you died of starvation, okay? Let's say you're a dead Dan Telfer. You, die, you died sure. of hunger, okay? Uh, but suddenly you come back to life and you have consciousness and you find yourself attacking people randomly and eating their flesh. What do you, wh- wh- why do you think you're doing this? Hmm. This is tough because... Um... First of all, my girlfriend's dog, Ernie, is farting nonstop (laughs) next to me and is making me uh, question whether or not I'm currently being infected with something. No, um, the, (laughs) the, like, what do I, so, so all I have is like enough sentience left to like guess like what the source of this is. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're like doing this, like, you know mechanically you're like attacking people eating their flesh but you have no idea like why do you think you're doing this what is your rationale i mean first of course my my first response is thanks for nothing barack hussein obama (laughs) and then um my second response is um the i guess uh like should i go take a bath what if i get underwater (laughs) What if I just super cash take a bath right now? That sounds nice. Is there a nearby hot tub? Is there um, a, a babbling brook that I can submerge myself within? I gotta go. I gotta go douse myself. Sure hope it's yeah. not season one when it's not acknowledged at all that water will do uh, this. But oh my god. Uh, okay, great. All right, that's a great answer. I'm, I hope so because I find all this stuff terrifying. I, I have I have very few survival skills. I was just thinking the other day, like I know how to unclog a sink, but I couldn't install one. Or like if I had to live in the wild, like I don't know what the fuck I would do. To go- yeah, whether you're in the home or in the wild, or if there's a zombie apocalypse, you're like, no, thank you. I'm not fit for any any of those. Right, and I'm already like in this place with the pandemic where I'm like, this is zombie apocalypse we're gonna get right now. This is we're living. This, this really shit. is. We really are kind of living through that era, like lived experience. This is part of our lives. You know, we're gonna tell our children and our children's children about this stuff and tell them how much fucking food we ate and how fucking fat we got and how much fucking TV we watched. 
that is how badass oh we're going to sound. <laughs> That's the hardest part is remembering. And I'm trying to crack jokes. I'm sure it makes me sound ignorant, but it's because I've watched 7,000 shows since I've watched Kingdom. Like that part yeah. of my brain is just soup. I still, Grace, I still feel like I need to go host my open mic this week. <laughs> I haven't hosted that open mic in oh, a man. year. Dude, you know, it's. Oh I loved God. that open mic. I really genuinely loved it. And I love that space. And, you know, we're talking about Geeky Tees and Burbank. And yeah, I, I miss the whole routine. Like, I went on a hike yesterday with another comic, you know, socially distanced, masked up, safe. And she was like talking about, like, oh, remember that place on Melrose? And I was just like, what is that place? And like, even just talking about it like that, like, it felt good, you know, just that, like, we had this point in our memories where like we used to be in the same place together and we used to do this activity together and we had this community, you know, like I was just like, Oh, like as much as I miss it, it's like comforting just to be able to talk about it that way. Yeah. I, I do think things are going to come back uh, eventually. It's, it's, it's good that people have found a way to stay in touch. I'm really bad at it. I get really nervous. I, I forget to, but I, mm -hmm. On the bright side, we are doing things like eating and hiking and trying to take care of ourselves. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're taking care of yourself, Grace. Thank you. It's nice talking to you, Dan. Good talking to you, too. Next week, we're going to talk about the show Something in the Rain, which is an amazing show. It's got Sun Yijin in it. Yeah, what's not to like? Who doesn't love Sun Yijin? Raise up hand. Nobody's going to raise their hand because everybody loves Sun Yijin. Hello. We're going to talk about something in the rain next week. And folks, if you haven't already, please follow this podcast on all the social medias. Hello. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. It's there, right? You can even like the page on Facebook. Oh, my gosh. Did you know? You can, you can subscribe on YouTube. Yes, you could watch this podcast on YouTube, okay? So it's all there. And, and if you have questions for me, guys, if you want me to talk about you and your question on this podcast, just email me at kdramaschool at gmail.com, okay? Just email me your questions. I will do my very best to answer them, okay? Uh, as always, thank you so much for listening, and I will see you all next week. Bye.